All right, turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, we'll be looking at verses 10 through 13. It can be found on page 982 in the Pew Bible. 982, Philippians 4, we'll be focusing on 10 through 13 this morning. Philippians 4.10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, in, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we open up your word and hear your word, we ask now that you would speak to us through it so that we might rightly apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We live in a society that is permeated by a spirit of discontentment. We see discontentment everywhere we turn. And even in our own thoughts and minds, gaining contentment is a, is a real battle. It becomes a real battle. We fight, we fight against it when our eyes are fixed upon our circumstances. When we compare ourselves with others and what we have or in what we lack, we are prone to covet. And then what, what happens? What happens? Have you, have you ever noticed this? We become bitter towards people that we've never met, mainly because they have something that we want or that we ourselves lack because we're not truly satisfied. We seek contentment not only in what we have, but in who we are, in what we do, and in how others perceive us. Advertisers and, and marketers know this, so, so they appeal to our needs and, and wants so that we learn to be dissatisfied with what we currently have. Have you, have you noticed that? I was a marketing major. I, I understood advertising so that we would become, people would become dissatisfied with their present circumstance and experience and therefore seek to gain us in that way, seek to have us purchase or do something that would satisfy, which it never really does. In our text this morning, I want to highlight three truths concerning Christian contentment that we learned from Paul in hope that we will find our contentment and satisfaction in Christ alone and not in our circumstances. So first, Christian contentment is not dependent upon our circumstances. Christian contentment is not dependent upon our circumstances. So look with me at verses 10 and 11. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So before Paul concludes his letter, he takes a moment to express his gratitude and his joy for the gift that he has just received from the church in Philippi. As you know, Paul is in prison. He's chained to a, to a Roman soldier. And he acknowledged in, in chapter 1 that this actually, he viewed his circumstance as an opportunity for gospel advancement. 
Many years had passed since Paul had established this church in Philippi, and so they were, they were dear to him. There was a mutual love and concern for one another. And so this church, they had sent gifts with Epaphroditus to encourage Paul and to help him with his various needs. But as we know, Epaphroditus became ill on the way to Paul, but he pressed on risking his life for, for the good of Paul and then to be served to, in his service for the church. And we saw this in, in chapter 2. And so Paul then sends him back with this letter as a thank you note. And he expresses his joy in the Lord because of their partnership, because of their concern for him. He says that the church revived their concern for him. He, he viewed their gift as a spring flower blooming again and thriving after laying dormant for several years. Paul makes it clear that it wasn't because of their unwillingness or lack of concern. He says, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. For whatever reason, the church hadn't been able to help, and now they could. They were able to show their concern for him and give him and meet his various needs and give him this gift. But Paul wasn't seeking a gift. He wasn't needy because he had learned in whatever situation he was in that he was to be content. And Paul wants to assure them that his contentment in Christ was not dependent upon his circumstances. Now, the question we need to ask is, what does it mean to be content? Scholars have observed in Stoic philosophy... Contentment was the essence of all virtues. Okay, so in that day, they viewed it as the essence of all virtues. It was a word that means self-sufficient or independent. And the Stoics elevate it to refer to the ability to be free from all wants or needs. In their way of thinking, contentment was marked by a detachment from one's emotions and indifference to the change of circumstances in one's life. They believed that true happiness is to enjoy the present without anxious dependence upon the future, not to amuse ourselves with either hopes or fears, but to rest satisfied with what we have, which is sufficient. For he that is so wants nothing." So to be content was to be self-reliant or self-sufficient and thus satisfied in one's circumstances, no matter the circumstance. To rise above one's circumstances. It was a, a sort of a, a mind-over-matter mindset, right? Mind-over-matter. Now, there is an element of truth to this, to this definition, that we're not to be anxious about the future, that we're to rest satisfied regardless of our circumstances. But Paul takes this definition and he looks at it from a Christian worldview to show what true contentment is and how one gains lasting contentment. And we'll, as we'll see here, it's not a self-sufficiency, but a Christ-sufficiency, a christ reliance that is not indifferent to the variety of circumstances that we face, but a sufficiency and satisfaction in Jesus that can endure any circumstance. 
To be content carries with it the idea of acceptance or to be satisfied in one's situation, whatever that might entail. To be at ease or at rest. A contented person in Christ recognizes that what comes into our lives, what comes into your life is from the hand of God and they willingly submit to God's will no matter the situation that they face. Do you remember how Paul responded after pleading with the Lord to remove the thorn in his flesh? 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Here's what Paul says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul was content in his various situations because his sufficiency was in Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's consider now the, the implications of this contentment that we see in Paul's example. Expressing joy or gratitude for something you have received is not at odds with contentment. You can rejoice and still be content when someone displays a concern for you. Contentment, therefore, doesn't mean indifference or disregard for your circumstances. Right? Someone gives you a gift. I'm content. I'm content. No, you can have joy in that circumstance. Christian contentment depends upon the sufficiency of God and recognizes that he places you in the situation that you are in in life and for his purposes. That's how Paul viewed his own circumstance. He had a positive outlook on life. He had an eternal perspective for why he was in chains, in prison, in Rome. We also see here that a content person focuses on others and their concern and not the actual gift. Did you notice that? You've heard me say this before. All gifts are intended to direct their attention to the giver and to develop fresh affections for the giver. The goal of gifts is to direct your attention to the giver and to develop fresh affections for the giver. Paul was filled with joy in the Lord because of how concerned they were for him. Not because he got something from them. When he received this gift, he saw their concern and he recognized that it was because they finally had an opportunity to express their concern. And it gives them the benefit of the doubt. Paul's contentment was evident as he focused on others and as he trusted in God's provision and care for him. We also see here that contentment is not gained by what we have or by what we lack or by our needs being met. Contentment is not gained by our needs being 
met. It is not due to what we have or what we lack. You, you see, often in our day, we have a certain set of expectations. We have a, an entitlement mentality. And we've come to believe the lie that if, I'll be happy if, fill in the blank. I'll be content when, fill in the blank. We've believed that lie. But the one who rests in Christ alone and relies upon him and finds their sufficiency in him can be content in whatever situation we are in. Christian contentment is not dependent upon our circumstances. It is for every situation. Second, Christian contentment is learned through our experiences. So look with me now at verse 12. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So now Paul unpacks what it means to, to learn to be content in whatever situation. He's taking this phrase, whatever situation, from verse 11, and now he's expanding on it. He's explaining it. So we see here Paul's learning process. Contentment isn't something that we are born with. Spend time with children, and you can learn this rather quickly. They want someone else's new toy. They don't like waiting their turn. They don't like it when things don't go their way. And even when things are good for them, what do they want? They want more of it. Contentment isn't something that we immediately gain when we become a believer, when we place our trust in Jesus. When you placed your trust in Jesus, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, all our sins are forgiven. We are reconciled to God, adopted as sons and daughters into his family, justified by his grace, redeemed from our slavery to sin, we receive all these spiritual blessings in Christ. But contentment is something that we learn and grow in. It's something that we are called to seek after and pursue. We are to make progress in growing in contentment as we mature in Christ. And learning contentment comes through our understanding of who God is and what he has done for us in Christ. It involves growing in our dependence upon God in the storms of life, and in the joys of life, so that we are anchored in Christ and not tossed around by our circumstances. We'll see in the next verse that a relationship with Christ is essential for true contentment. Knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior is foundational to lasting contentment. And to having contentment in general. So if you're here this morning and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, first, trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins and the hope of eternal life. And then we seek to strive to grow in contentment as we mature in Christ. We seek to learn more about what it means to be content. Paul says that he learned to be content. And here in verse 12, he learned the secrets of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, which means that he set his mind to it. It was a pursuit. Paul knows how to live in 
with almost nothing or everything. Paul knows how to be satisfied in difficulty or in abundance. It's one thing to hear that we're to be content. It's quite another thing to actually learn it. It's one thing to talk about being content and quite another to experience circumstances in life that challenge us to be content. Ultimately, it was through Paul's experiences that he came to know how to live rightly and satisfied and at ease in in his trials and in his successes. What we see here is that Paul describes both ends of the spectrum when it comes to the circumstances that he faced. These became the occasion for learning contentment. Paul knew how to be brought low or to be abounding. Whether being well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. So he makes these three contrasting statements. They refer to our various physical provisions or the resources that we have or lack. Let's think about Paul's situation. We know from Acts 16... When he first established this church, he stayed at Lydia's house. She was very wealthy. So certainly he was well-fed and had plenty. And then, not long ago, not long after that, in Acts 16, he he ends up in prison. Paul and Silas in prison. And after being set free from prison, Paul stays at the Philippian jailer's house, right? There's a conversion happens while he's there stays at the Philippian jailer's home, and enjoys abundance. So Paul was provided for. He knew how, what it was to be provided for. Not only did he enjoy the abundance of times, but also he experienced the lows, the adversities in life. We've often recounted these in 2 Corinthians 11, his many beatings, being shipwrecked without food, sleepless nights, cold and exposure, right? danger, 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 danger constantly before him. Paul mentions that he has learned to live content in any and every situation or circumstance. And this secret of contentment is learned through the wide range of experiences that he faced. He knew what it was to be warm and fed. He knew what it was to be cold and hungry. Christian contentment is not something we learn only through the difficulties in life. Contentment is not something we only learn through the good experiences in life. Rather, contentment is learned in a combination of both. Did you see that? In good, the so-called good experiences and the so-called bad experiences. In trials and in successes. In adversity and in prosperity. In wins and in losses. Paul had gone through both and he came to learn that his focus could not be on that which constantly changed. The amount of what we have, the situations that we experience will vary. There might be success. There might be failure. Provisions will vary. There might be times of adversity. There might be times of prosperity. As Solomon would say in Ecclesiastes 3, for everything there is a season 
and a time for every matter under heaven. And then in Ecclesiastes 7.14, In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Circumstances in your life will vary. But contentment in Christ should remain constant because of the secret that we have learned through our experiences. That true contentment does not come from what we have or what we lack since it's constantly changing, right? It's constantly changing in our life. But it comes through a dependence upon Christ, a reliance upon Jesus as our all-sufficient, all-satisfying Savior. So in the midst of your abundance... Perhaps you're in a time right now and there's abundance. In the midst of abundance, guard against greed. Guard against coveting more. Recognize these as gifts from God to be enjoyed and don't set your hope on the uncertainty of them. In the midst of need, Do not be overwhelmed by what you lack. Hebrews 13.5, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 1 Timothy 6.6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. For if we have food and clothing, With these, we will be content. Have you learned to be content through your experiences? Can you be content in any and every circumstance and situation? If you find yourself in poverty or in wealth, in sickness or in health, whether the sun is shining or it's raining, whether your children are having good days or bad days. Teachers, whether your students are engaged in learning or rejecting authority. Businessmen, whether you get a promotion. Employees, whether you get a promotion or get demoted. Whether your business is struggling or it's profiting. Whether you win or whether you lose. Contentment is learned through a wide range of experiences in life. And in these experiences, we learn to be thankful for what we have. We learn to enjoy the good gifts of God. We come to appreciate the value of life. And we learn that Christ holds us fast in the storms of life. And we learn not to trust in the uncertainty of what we have or our circumstances, but in Christ alone who strengthens us. This is what we see in our final point. Christian contentment is rooted in our union with Jesus Christ who strengthens us. So look with me at verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So now Paul unpacks the secret. Here's the secret. What is the secret of contentment? It is Christ who strengthens him. This verse is perhaps the most famous verse in Philippians. 
and even in the entire Bible. We see this verse posted in all sorts of locations, on walls, on pictures, on cards, on social media posts, on clothing and shoes. In fact, I have it on my Steph Curry shoes, this little phrase, I can do all things. Sometimes this verse is used by athletes or people in general as a motivational tool to inspire them to accomplish some difficult task or face the various challenges of the day. It might be claimed, I'm no good at this or that. I'm terrible at, you name it. But Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I currently can't dunk a basketball, but Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't lift 500 pounds, but Philippians 4.13. I didn't study for this test, but Philippians 4.13. I never learned to play piano and have just been asked to do so, but Philippians 4.13. I think you get the idea. It's used for motivation or inspiration to achieve what we set out to accomplish because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As though this makes us superhuman, or some sort of superpower. But what we see here is that when Paul says, I can do all things because Christ gives me strength, it's in the context of contentment. I almost title my sermon, I can do all things. In fact, when you got your sermon schedule, you saw I can do all things, dot, dot, dot. But I don't want us to miss the context, so I changed the title of the sermon. Christian contentment. So that when you read Philippians 4.13 in context, you see, oh, that's about contentment. Paul is ultimately teaching, he's teaching us that whatever circumstance I find myself in, whether in poverty or in wealth, whether in plenty or in need, every situation I find myself in, I can be content because it is Christ who gives me strength. In Christ, in union with Jesus Christ, we are strengthened to be content in all things, in all situations. And I've heard stories from this, even our own church, right, who testify to this truth. Some of you have endured great trials and suffering. And you've recognized that the only way that you've gotten through it or are currently enduring it and getting through it is not in you, but because of Jesus Christ and the strength that he supplies. We are strong enough to go through our various experiences in life because of the power of Christ in us. He is the source of our strength. Jesus would say in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The secret to being content in all things and have true and lasting contentment is in a union with Jesus Christ. It is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ who strengthens us. It is found by learning to continue to know Christ personally and understand who you are 
in him. I heard a story this week of an athlete down at the, the 1A state uh, track tournament. Did you hear about this in Des Moines? Um, maybe you heard about it. There, there was some sort of controversy with, with, with a race. It was determined that the, at this meet, I think they had to run eight laps around the track. And it was at this meet that the official rang the bell. He rings the bell to signify the, the start of the final lap. Right, did you hear about this? Some of you, perhaps. And, and he did it too early. He, he, he did it after the sixth lap and not the seventh. And then I, I, I heard that, and I actually saw a little video of it. The, the guy that was in the lead, um, after finishing it, he, he thought it was, the, after thinking it was the final lap, right, after he finished that seventh time around, he basically kind of stopped running. And he was looking back like, what, what just happened? You know, because there were still guys running, and he thought he had won the race, and the race was finished. Uh, he thought it was over. Anyway, this other boy, Joe Anderson, he ended up winning. And then they decided to declare that the winner was now based on the one that finished that seventh lap, since most of the guys finished and thought the race was done at the seventh lap and not the eighth, even though Joe Anderson actually finished officially as in first place in that last, what should have been eight laps, which meant that Joe got second place, okay? After the race, here's how he handled the results. Okay, this is what jumped out to me. This is what jumped out to probably all of you. Here's what he said. Being stripped of my first ever state title hurts a lot. But my identity does not come from the trophies that I have won or the ones that have been taken away. It comes from who I am in Christ. I ran the absolute hardest I could. I am proud of that race. And at the end of the day, it's not about how we respond when life goes great. It's about how we respond when bad things happen to us. Congrats to Will. He ran a great race. High school athlete. In this instance... This high school athlete learned the secret of contentment. He rightly responded to the situation he experienced. In Christ who strengthens us, we can be content in all things. Let's respond to all things by remembering our identity in Christ, by acknowledging our dependence upon him, by seeing Jesus as our soul's delight and reward. It's something that we learn. It's for every situation in life, and it comes through an ongoing, growing relationship with Jesus Christ who strengthens us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks for your word we recognize the, the challenge that's before us, that we need to learn the secret of being content in any and every circumstance that we face. We recognize it's, just, it's not just in us, that we have to, to grow in it. We have to learn it through our experiences, through the good things that we go through, through the so-called bad things that we go through, that all of it is that we experience in life is from your hand. And so we trust in your providence. We trust in Christ's sufficiency.
And we can say, even as that we're about to sing, it is well with my soul. In Jesus' name, amen.